0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Board Game Mechanics. I'm Katie, and with me, as always, is...
1: Hey, guys, what's going on? It is Jason.
0: Oh, it's been a whirlwind of a week, and it's not even... I'm not even halfway through all the activities that we have for this week.
1: Yeah, I mean, the weekend starts getting a little crazier, I think. For you, kind of crazy for me, too, I guess, but yeah.
0: Yeah, it's just like, um, everyone was like, okay, we're doing nothing, we're doing nothing, okay, we're doing a few things, let's do everything the second week in june and go
1: (laughs) yeah that sounds right
0: so if i sound a little rundown just because i am i'm tired but you guys are more important than sleep so that is why we are here with another episode and is it it is it is (laughs) hey Uh, you want to do this by yourself i'm gonna go bed (laughs) (laughs)
1: No, no. You're good at the podcast. You're good at the podcasting game.
0: (laughs) I don't know about that. Um, But speaking of podcasting game, I want to give a shout out to like an old segment of mine, my fickle favorite. And this week I got to say my favorite is Scott Chrisley, who got my very deep cut Raider O'Reilly reference last week. Um, Ah, Bach. (laughs) Which is like from a really great episode. I love the show MASH. I watched it all the time as a kid. It probably so much of it was way over my head for sure, um, but I feel like I'm I'm so sarcastic because of Alan Alda's character as Hawkeye Pierce because I watched that during my formative years.
1: Yeah, it's a, it's a good show, but you have an old soul, so that sh- <laughs> you like this show makes it.
0: That's true. Jason always tells me I'm eighty on the inside, so. It's not saying you're old Scott, but that you responded to my old soul. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so that's my fickle favorite. I haven't given a fickle favorite shout out in a while. If you want to be my fickle favorite, I'd be happy to shout you out. If you haven't um, posted on our Facebook page or in our, riv- our hashtag the riveted group on Facebook, um, because I I don't get the Instagrams or the Twitters. Um, But if you post there and you've never posted before, I will totes shout you out as my fickle favorite because I am fickle like that. All right, let's move on to some news. I've got some really interesting stuff in the news this week um, that I wanted to share. And actually, uh, I have done a lot of newsing... (laughs) I said a word this week because I was guest. I was a guest host, a guest, just guest. Just a, a guest, guest, I think.
1: Gu- guest panelist. Oh, that's, about a good,
0: that? that's a good one. I was a panelist, a guest panelist on another show, Board Game Rundown. They're all right. We like them.
1: Yeah, we try not to, not to boost the regal too and, much, but right. yeah, they're okay.
0: Um, And I gave news there too, so I'm like, oh, crap, I don't. Because I care about the people who listen, I don't want to give the same thing twice. So I had to come up with all new news just for you guys. So the first one I want to talk about is one that really intrigues me. Um, unfortunately, it's it's expensive. Just like all the ones that I like, of course, are gonna be expensive. Cause you know that's just how that's just how I roll i jason tells me i'm bougie all the time
1: because it's true uh,
0: it's it's not true completely i just like things i
1: i, I can't eat off-brand macaroni because it tastes gross i don't want to eat powdered macaroni because it tastes gross so we're going to eat the, the the stuff with the cheese packet that costs three dollars more
0: it's bougie. delicious and you know it i'll eat the powdered macaroni but i don't want to eat it all the time it's okay sometimes
1: Next time, powder macaroni time.
0: Well, it's not going to be off-brand, though. Let me tell you, it's got to be craft or nothing. <laughs> Let's not get crazy. All right, fine. Anyway, so um, the first game that I want to talk about is like right up my alley, and it's called Enigma Crime Scene. And this game looks like if um, Consulting Detective and uh, Chronicles of Crime had a baby, it would be this game. Because you've got, like, these really interesting physical aspects where you've – there's four different locations, and they say they're replayable. And they also say that you can play it competitively, cooperatively, or with an imposter mode. So that also kind of brings a lot of replayability there as well. But you've got these four different locations – that these crimes have occurred in. And so then you get, like, physical stuff, like newspapers and maps, um, like a monocle to, like, examine stuff with, um, suspect cards and fingerprints, and, like, even, like, a board to, like, um, put your suspects up there, and, like, like they always do on all of the crime shows. Um, uh, you know, a, th- a layer of the crime scene and five different weapons, you know, They have those physical things, but then there's also, they've got the glasses kind of for the VR stuff, like um, Chronicles of Crime does. So it's like this neat kind of deduction, detective um, story that's got all these different elements to it, both physical and virtual, which I think is kind of cool. So if you like stuff like that, like I do, um, check out Enigma Crime Scene. There's four days left on that Kickstarter, and it's 70 bucks.
1: Man, 70 bucks is a lot for this. Uh, <laughs> but that does sound cool. I know,
0: but there's there's kind of a lot going on. And to have like the physical plus the virtual components, I think.
1: Yeah, I mean, you're probably not wrong.
0: But I know we're not going to pay for it. It's fine.
1: Yeah, you are 100% <laughs> correct on that.
0: The next game I want to talk about is called Pisces. And what's interesting about Pisces is this is actually um, designed by a professor from the University of Arizona who um, works for NASA. Oh, that's cool. He, like, consults with NASA, which I think is awesome. Um, And so he, like, moonlights as his board game designer. And so his games definitely have that educational component to it. And Pisces is no different. So you're obviously competing for points, but you're doing that by, like, having this Fishing ecosystem. So you're trying to catch fish because there's like um, these tournaments, fishing tournaments you can get in each. Um, I think they're, it's done by seasons. The rounds are by seasons. Um, and so you're trying to meet these objectives, tournament objectives. But you're also trying to do good conservation of the fish you have because you're kind of trying to run this healthy fishery and this fishing environment. So um, you really want to protect species from overfishing, but you still want to have boats and gear because you need to collect these certain kinds of fish. And um, the availability of fish kind of changes with the rounds because species are going through life cycles and, you know, different times of year, there are more, they're more abundant or not. Or if they get Overfished, then it's really harder to get the ones you need at different times. Um, so it's like really accurate to these, like the, I think there's six different species maybe they have in there um, to like how their life cycle works and all of that, like mixed together um, in like these little fisheries. So it's kind of a cool thing. You're just trying to, like, balance getting the fish you need, not overfishing, conservation. Just an interesting um, kind of look at fishing. And I don't think there are that many strictly fishing-themed games out there. Another really cool thing about this is um, that this company that this guy has, um, will when you buy games you can also um it'll donate a copy to a boys and girls club
1: oh that is cool that that's a good which
0: idea. i think is, is a really cool thing um so if you like fish if you're interested in kind of that conservation i was trying to think what the main mechanics are of this i know i
1: um I, i'm actually just surprised that this guy works for nasa and didn't design a space game
0: well he's the principal investigator for the nasa osiris 3X mission. I don't know what that mission...
1: It's probably space. I mean, I'm but... <laughs> sure. Um, yeah, that's just... That's interesting that it's a fishing game and not a space game. Because I almost said, is this a space game?
0: It's not <laughs> a space I game. Because you know how I think space games are stupid. Right. So, it's a, fish yeah, game. It's a fishing game. But, I mean, I don't know what he teaches at the University of Arizona. Um, but, yeah, there's uh, some really great educational stuff here. So, you're doing worker placement, um You are rolling then to catch your, I don't know, goal, completing goals. I don't know. And there's a little bit of bidding as well for first player. And it comes with a fisheries science handbook because he helps like kids at Boys and Girls Club like run like STEM game nights and stuff. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So if you're interested in any or all of that, check out Pisces. Um, it has 12 days left on Kickstarter when this episode drops, and it's 45 dollars.
1: Yeah, that I mean, I don't normally back Kickstarters, but this would be one to back just for the sheer fact that he's donating a game to somebody. That that's awesome.
0: Yeah, kind of like those um, that Bombas company that donates socks, and I think they've branched oh, yeah. to shoes now to homeless shelters. Like, I think that's awesome.
1: Yeah, that is cool.
0: So the last game, definitely, this is definitely a family game. Um, And the cool thing about this one, it was actually created um, with working with the Field Museum of Chicago. And this game is called Fossil Canyon. It's by Polymath Play, um, another kind of educational game about dinosaurs. Uh, It is very, in some ways, Jason called this like modernized go fish. It's, It's really simple. It says ages eight plus. I don't know about
1: that. You could probably be younger than that. I did look this up. I think you could be younger than that.
0: So what you're doing is you're doing set collection. You're getting, um, you're gathering dinosaurs. Um, you, you dig through this pile um, to find fossils to so you complete your skeleton. You can trade with other players to get the missing fossils you need. Once you complete the skeleton, you actually then um, build, physically build like puzzle pieces onto your museum with um, the fossils that you have collected. And you get points for those fossils because those fossils are going to bring you in most visitors and the most visitors to your museum wins. So really light, simple game. Um, they've got all kinds of information on the cards that's like really educational, like shows you a drawing the skeleton, gives you kind of a, a reconstruction of what the dinosaur might look like if it. You know, based on what we know about it, Um, how to pronounce it, even um, some key details about it, its size, what it ate, um, the period that it lived in, and then like a little fact about it. So again, another educational game. If your kids love dinosaurs, this would be a fun, simple, easy one um, that you can play as a family. So Fossil Canyon has 13 days left on Kickstarter, and it's only 20 bucks.
1: Yeah, I'm actually kind of intrigued by this one. I like the way that the the pieces lock together. And I, I think, mo- like I said before, I think a modernized version of Go Fish is a winning idea because everybody knows how to do Go Fish. So if you incorporate that in and it's an interesting theme and an interesting game, could be could work. People could like it.
0: That's true. Um, and so that's all the news I have for you this week.
1: All right, so let's move into some games played. So, um, Katie and I played a game that I reviewed and I didn't particularly care for. Uh, but I gave it another shot with Katie because I wanted to trade it and see if she liked it. And that game is called Red Rising. So, Red Rising is the newest game from Stonemaier. It's based on a book series of the same name by Pierce Brown, I think is the, the author. Look at that. I know books. What? <laughs> and uh, what you're doing in this game is it has the theme of the book, which I don't, I'm, I don't know the book I don't know what the theme is, but it's probably dystopia. Mm-hmm. The Reds are trying to become Golds, ascend the the ladder of classes. I think that's what the goal is. I don't really know, but that's what I pieced together. <laughs> and wh- what you're what you're doing in this game is you are playing a card from your hand, and you're trying to acquire cards from the board or from the deck to have the most points in your hand at the end of the game. So this is like a hand management game. All the cards have a base point value but they also have some additional point values that you can get if you have maybe a certain other color with it your hand is all different colors if you have a certain specific card like a person it could add 30 points if you have a token a whole bunch of different kinds of conditions that could give you a whole pile of points so you're trying to play but get the cards you need and you're also using the actions on the board that are going to move your little fleet token up which is going to score you points give you helium which is like a resource of the game go to the Institute, which is a little area control deal, and you're just trying to score the most points in the most efficient way that you can. Um, I, I haven't... It's People said it's like Fantasy Realms. I've never played that, but it feels a lot like Lost Cities to me, which I have played. Um, that kind of... You're, you're taking putting a card down and hoping if you want it, your opponent doesn't take it, that kind of thing. So before I say what I think of the two-player... Our two-player game this time, what did you think of this game on your first play?
0: I actually really liked it. Um... I like the idea of, like, trying to set up, not really an engine, but, like, play cards that play off of each other and try to get get the, get the most out of the cards that you have. And I love, again, multi-card use, which that's all over the place, and you're really making these agonizing decisions of, do I lay this down to get what this card gives me, or do I keep it for these in-game points? Um, can I get the conditions for these in-game points? If I lay this down, could I possibly get it back while also like dealing with the tracks on the board? Uh, I really enjoyed it. I would be interested to play it with more people. I could see where it might be hard, like almost like a, a not quite well balanced deck builder that if it if they're not made well enough to work together, if you don't get the right cards out, um, you could have a more difficult time. Um, but on first play, I, I really enjoyed myself.
1: Yeah. So I've played it at three and I've played it at two. Um, so that's not a big difference, but the three player play, I didn't like at all because none of the cards that went with any other cards that happened to come out seemed to go together. Um, just there, it was harder to build the engine I felt in that game. But when we played it at two players, I felt like I was getting cards that kind of worked together. And less cards are moving around, so I actually could have had a chance if I played a card down on the board to maybe pick it up again if it was a card that I actually wanted. So, I, I don't know. I think I liked it at two-player. I don't I don't know if I necessarily need more people moving the cards around in this instance. And maybe because of the two-player one, I had a little better engine that happened in my hand. And I actually got some points as opposed to no points like in the three-player game. So, yeah, I don't know. I liked it better at two. I still don't know if it's like my favorite game of all time, but it's not. it wasn't bad.
0: Yeah, I'd like to, I mean, I definitely want to play it more player counts to see, like, how that works, the distribution of cards and what's out there. I felt like it was really difficult to get stuff that had been banished back in, which you kind of need to be able to do that when so many cards require, um, like, specifically named other cards to really work. And and they really are, there's, like, one of that card and that's it, uh, which does make it very difficult um so I'd like to give it some more plays. Again, this is kind of like my wheelhouse and I I did pretty well on that first play so that always makes me feel better about a game anyway.
1: Yeah, that's true. You um beat me handedly. That's that's
0: <laughs> That's putting it nicely. That's for sure.
1: Yeah. I don't want to talk about it anymore. <laughs> uh so the next game we played, this was my third time playing it, Kay's first time, and it was called Tidal Blades. Um so, Tidal Blades is effectively a worker placement game where you're trying to go out and acquire different kinds of dice to use them in challenges and to fight monsters to basically score the most points at the end of the game. Um, it kind of has. We played with the expansion this time, which was the first time I've played with the expansion and your first time playing, period. And the expansion adds kind of like a corruption element, kind of like the corruption track in Lords of Waterdeep, where if you have too much of it, you can lose some points and all that kind of thing. But the spaces are amazing. So it's that kind of like, I can go here now get some amazing stuff, but maybe lose some points at the end of the game. We'll risk it and see what happens. But the artwork is amazing. Everybody has a bunch of different player powers that are specific to their character. All the production values are really nice. I like everything about this game. I think it's a really, it looks like a super heavy game, but it's really kind of like a nice, solid medium. But it just looks bigger on the table, and I think the gameplay really is so. Third play with the expansion, I was a fan. So, what did you think about Tidal Blades with the expansion for your first play?
0: Um, I really enjoyed this. Like, I think this is a um, it's it's a worker game where. You don't have that many workers, so the decisions really count, and so it is tight. And I actually really enjoy that. I like. I feel like it's pushing my brain to do better, um, which I know is like kind of my catchphrase: cra- "Play better." Um, but I don't consider myself a super analytical thinker. I'm a much more imaginative, big picture kind of person. So I like to be challenged in that way. The artwork was cute, so it still kept it lighthearted. Um, your own player powers, I always love that. I liked that Corruption track, and that kind of um, was really fun for me because I I like dipped my toe in that. And it gives you great stuff, um, but the draws just worked out really well for me. Um, again... I won this game, so I have a like a better love for it. but I, I I just also think it's just fun. Like I really enjoyed it. I like this type of game where your decisions really count and you're like, okay, well, if someone takes that spot, how I'm gonna do this differently? And what can I do? to make the most of my turn because I only have a few turns. Uh, So I I really, really enjoyed it. I think it's pretty, it's a table hog for sure, but it was fun.
1: Yeah, I've won this game twice. So, I mean, I'm not going to complain about losing it to you that third time. So, you know, yeah, I like this game quite a bit. It's really good. Um, Yeah, again, don't be turned off because you think it's a a heavy game because it's not at all. It just looks. It takes a long time to set up, but actually the gameplay is pretty easy. Well,
0: and do. I I didn't know what to expect. So just the name, like title blades, like I mentioned. Um, I was I actually talked about this when I was um guesting on the board game rundown. I thought it was like I don't know, like title blades, like it made me think of like Ninjago or like Beyblade or something. Like I thought there was gonna be fighting like arena battles, and I guess the theme kind of is supposed to be like arena battles, but you don't. Yeah, sort of. Yeah, you don't really battle anything. It's um, And there's some luck with the dice rolling that can sometimes be a bummer, but you can definitely mitigate that and get better dice fairly easily. So I think there's a lot of great stuff in it.
1: Yeah, solid solid game for sure. Um, so the last game we're going to talk about is a game we just played last night. Well, the night before we recorded. Um, so whenever you want to think last night is, you can think <laughs> it's that. It's up to you. Um So this game is a new, I think it's a game that came out this year called Lions of Lydia. It's from Johnny Pack. He did like, um, shoot, now I'm blanking on the name, Coloma. And he did like, um, there's a, a fistful of meeples or something like that. I think he did those two games, probably some more, but those are the only two I can remember. And this game is, it's a bag building game where you're pulling stuff out of a bag, whatever you want to call that. You're pulling a meeple out of a bag. The color of the meeple is going to rep- represent a good that you can get or let you take a different action. If you put it on a certain spot of the board, you're going to get some goods based on the color of um, an arch and all the rest of the meeples there. If you put it in the center of the little town square, you can buy some cards, upgrade some cards, and all that type of thing. It's a really simple game, but it's kind of like a, a tableau builder a little bit where you're purchasing cards to make your actions better, to get you points that are going to you know give you more points and all that kind of thing. Um, it's a really cool game. We used a couple expansions, the Chariot Races and the Temples. They just gave it a little bit more pizzazz and a little bit more fun. So uh, what did you think of Lines um, of the so This did
0: come out this year, so look at us with the new hotness, this 2021 game. Oh, he, yeah.
1: Well, not, uh, well, not I, us. I mean, it's not us.
0: Yes, <laughs> it did Merchant's Cove and Sierra West. and.
1: Oh, yeah, that's right. I, I knew a couple of them. I didn't know all of them. Boo,
0: uh, looks like a Buru expansion and Bilal.
1: Oh, yeah. We did play that one. That was the one with the little boat.
0: So, a lot of stuff that Glenmore 2. I like this game. Again, um, I kind of have a soft spot for it because I think I won.
1: Uh, Oh, yeah. Like, you had, like, 100 points. We had, like, 40. No, I mean, I think you had, like, 60 or something. Everybody had, like, 40 or something like that.
0: Uh, Yeah. Um, But I, I like... I like that there's kind of different ways. Again, I love Multiplast Victory. So different ways that you can kind of focus. Everyone's got kind of a color that they work with. Um... You know, do you want to jump in on the chariot races? Do you not? Like, do you want to save that money? Do you want to trade in your goods when you get a gold meeple? Or do you want to save those for other things? Like, do you slowly buy properties over time? Or do you just go in big all at once? Like, there's lots of different ways to approach this. And I really love that. Um, I feel like the bag building is like super minimal because you only ever have four meatballs
1: yeah it's just a randomizer that's yeah all it is I think you could
0: even do without that, but I, I like then that you're you're buying properties that then give you these different powers, and so like balancing those to again maximize like your in game points um Deciding which ones you're going to upgrade to make the most of it so that, oh, if if this in-game condition is that I need, I get six points for every two of this resource, I better be trying to get that resource. Like, I, I like that. I like having those goals, um, kind of having that set out for you. So I thought it was really fun. Again, it's it's definitely my, my type of game. Um, and I won so many feel good about it. <laughs>
1: Yeah, this this is another game that I didn't really know a ton about. I thought it was something else, and then we started playing. And I was like, "Oh yeah, this is way different than what I thought." But then, as we were playing it, it reminded me of the game Hadara, which mm-hmm. I said because the colors, the way you're buying the the different properties that are going to give you special actions and abilities and stuff, it just felt kind of like that. But it's not the same at all. It just had that same feeling to me. But yeah, I enjoyed it. It was it was a simple ish game, not super light, but not heavy by any stretch of the imagination. Right. Nice, solid middle, middleweight game that anybody can play as long as, you know, you've played maybe a Euro game before, you'll have no problem picking this one up. So, yeah, I, I enjoyed it quite yeah, a bit. Yeah, it's almost
0: like Hadara Light, Like, if you, like, lessen some of the mechanics, um, not that it's, like, simple, but that you don't have, like, oh, these other tracks and things to be, to be worrying about. Like, it's simple collecting goods and then buying things with them. <laughs>
1: Yep, that's it. Collecting goods, spending goods. <laughs> that's what you it's <laughs> Yes, yeah. good game. All right, so those are three of the games we played and now we're going to move into the feature for the week.
0: So you know how I love to have controversial topics where people just get mad at us and i um, decide never listen to us again. This could be one of those things. I <laughs> hope
1: uh, I don't know. This one doesn't seem too controversial.
0: Okay, either. maybe not. Um, but I wanted to kind of piggyback off of what I discussed a little bit on the Board Game Rundown. Uh, this is not me, like, shamelessly plugging myself, because they do, like, a video kind of version of a podcast, and I hate watching myself on a screen. Um, so I'm not encouraging anyone to go watch my face at all. I prefer where you can't see me and I just talk. Um But we were talking about women in gaming and just kind of what what's that that's like in the industry. And I mean, obviously, you know, there are issues there, but we're not going to tackle that. But one of the points I brought up that I see a lot on like Facebook board game groups is generally men um, will complain that their spouse will not play games. And how do they get their wife to play games with them? Um, now again, I'm only speaking from my experience. Um, I can't speak for everyone. I'm not going to attempt to, but there are some things that you can do to help kind of at least try get your non-gaming significant other to try gaming. And, And honestly, a lot of these are approaches to getting any new person into gaming that's not sure about it. Um, So you can apply this even more universally than we're going to, but I often, and this is just me getting my soapbox, so I'm sure you can't wait for that. Another one of Katie's rants. Um, What you you yourself can do besides bemoan the fact that you don't have a gaming spouse.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of bemoaning.
0: (laughs) So I'll let you get started. I'll save my soapbox for later.
1: All right, so... One of the things that I always hear is, you know, from some people who are, we'll say, a significant other who their spouse wants them to learn a game is they have to sit at the table while the other person learns the game. And then they have to get taught the game. So what I would say is, if you would like to maybe encourage your significant other to play a game with you, know the game ahead of time. So you're not, she's not, she or he is not sitting at the table. Um, playing on their phone while you're reading through a rule book because nobody wants to do that. I don't even want to do that, and I know how to play games. So if you're going to teach me a game, know the game ahead of time. That's just what I think needs to be done. But especially if you're trying to entice somebody into playing a game, you want to get to playing the game quicker. So if you know the game, you can just teach it off the top of your head mostly, maybe looking up a few things. That's probably the best approach, in my opinion, to get someone to play a game that maybe you would like or maybe they would like.
0: Yes, absolutely, because I've seen personally I know people who are like oh my spouse isn't good is doesn't like gaming like every time I try to teach her a game you know she's like eh. and I'm thinking it's because you're the worst at teaching games <laughs> like
1: yeah yeah I wasn't gonna go down that route <laughs> but yes yes we do know some people <laughs> I'll
0: call it out apparently this is one this is another episode where Katie just goes off so all <laughs> all of you that like it when I just stir up crap you're in for it tonight. Um, <laughs> yes, it, that is one of the worst things. It's at a table where someone's reading the rulebook to you. Like, I would rather run into oncoming traffic. Don't do that to people that are trying to get into yeah. the game. Not a good start. So just know what you're doing a little bit.
1: Yeah, if you want to read through setup, that's completely expected. But don't read every single page. Mm-hmm. Like, come on. No one's got time for that. You have four or five hours in a game night or maybe an hour to spend playing a game with your significant other. You're spending 45 minutes of it reading the rule book. That's not going to fly.
0: Nope. Um, I want to take it a little bit outside of even the game itself and talk about something that I think especially like me speaking as a, a wife in a traditional heterosexual couple. Um, one of the things that can often keep me from gaming, even me, And I spend a lot of my time and my free time around the hobby, is the mental clutter that kind of exists within the whole idea of game night. And I could get into an entire feminist rant about how women bear a lot of um, mental burden surrounding like daily events regarding running a household. And I'm not even saying like, oh, w- since women cook and clean or whatever. No, it's the mental aspect of it. Like, Jason, I love him so much. He is so helpful. But when I'm drowning and I'm like, okay, well, I have to get the kids ready and I have to get myself ready and I'm making dinner and people are coming over and you go, okay, what do you need me to do? What I need you to do is this think so- for yourself. This
1: like something that... That sounds like something that just happened.
0: <laughs> I'm, I'm not talking about a particular situation that just happened yesterday. But I you could imagine how it could happen. I'm like, I don't want to have to think through what kind of tasks I can assign you. You look around. You know how dinner is made. You walk over to the stove and take over what I'm doing. It's that simple. You know how to run a can opener. You know how to put stuff into a pan. I shouldn't have to tell you that or stand there waiting for you to get the hint. Like, anyway, mental clutter.
1: You've given me a lot of credit about things I know how to do.
0: (laughs) Yes, and that's really hard. So sometimes, in order to get a non-gaming person, significant other into a game, you need to do some extra thinking and planning. If you have children, is there someone to take care of them? Or are they going to constantly be getting up to help the kids because, you know, there's always that one kid that only the one parent can help them do something from opening a fruit snack to putting on a Band-Aid, you know, to wiping their nose. It's just that's the way it is. So if that's your spouse and you want them to try to game, either maybe try and do it when the kids are already in bed or that you have a babysitter. Or you set the kids down already with some snacks and their favorite movie. Make sure everything's open. You know, if you're having people over and you're trying to do like a bigger game event, have you thought about how we're going to eat when dinner time rolls around? You know, if if you're not Jesus and can't multiply loaves and fish, We got to come up with a game plan. So maybe you think ahead of time to say, are we going to order pizza? Do we throw some chili in a crock pot? Do we have snacks and drinks here? If we're having people over, maybe I make sure the house is taken care of or whatever, like the things are picked up. Like, sometimes it just takes a little bit more planning to alleviate some of that mental clutter that your partner might have and might be dealing with that's going to keep them distracted from saying, okay, yeah, you know what, I feel free enough to sit down and learn a game or try try a board game that, that um, you really want me to. <laughs> so that's yeah. my first um. one. <laughs>
1: Uh, it would be nice to have Jesus at game night though. That would make a lot of these situations oh, a lot easier.
0: You know, that's true. Um
1: <laughs> Hey Jesus, we need some food. Uh, that's that's almost blasphemy, right. but it's still still funny.
0: No, you're just trying to like distract from the fact that like <laughs> I just mentally shook my finger at you for being ridiculous.
1: Yes, we've already gone over these things, so it's nothing that I've never heard before. It's nothing that I don't already know. Mm. Yes, I know. I know I need to step up and help out a little more. I get into my little waffle box (laughs) and I get focused on games and I can't help anything else. Yeah, I got that. I got got
0: it. You admit there's a problem. So we're on step two.
1: So while Katie is going with things that are outside of the game itself, I'm going to stick with the game itself. Because with my three. Uh, And the next thing that I would say is if the person's not into gaming, maybe ease your way into it. Don't go for, I don't know, if your favorite game is Lisboa. Don't try to play Lisboa with the person who's never played a game before because you want to play it. That's selfish. Just because you want to play it doesn't necessarily mean that that person is also going to want to play that game for a couple of reasons. Maybe they think the theme is dumb. Maybe they've never played a board game before and you'll be teaching them all these new mechanisms that they've never seen and it's going to take an hour to teach that game, and most people don't want to sit through that, especially if someone who doesn't really play or like games a ton. So, you know, that, that can get rough. So think about a game that you can play that does not going to take all night, not going to melt somebody's brain, and just has, an, you know, it's fun, you'll have a good time, and you can learn it quickly and just get to gaming. So that, that's my recommendation. Don't pick a game just because you want to play it. Think about the person you're playing with.
0: Yeah, and uh, I guess I'll kind of piggyback on that um, by saying some another way to, to really think about someone else and what what kind of things might get them into gaming with you is letting them pick the game. Like, I, the, I have um, my sister and my sister's sister-in-law, like, a few people that... Or even, um, some of my friends from high school, they don't really play games, but they'll say, oh yeah, let's have a board game night. And I'm like, okay. So, uh, you know, I'll try out the usual kind of casual games and then I'll often say, hey, why don't you just go back to my game room and look around and pick out a game that looks good to you. Um. Generally, especially in our game collection, they're not going to pick, like, the boring, ugly ones like Lisboa. Most of them. <laughs> right. So they're going to be drawn to lighter ones, like the Takenokos and the Takitos and the um, Parks, you know, those kind of things. Um, but letting someone else pick the game, then they're having agency. They have a buy-in. These are all, you know, words I use with my students. Um So they feel like, oh, I'm interested in learning this game. Or if you're out at a game store and you've drugged them there unwillingly, if they're interested in a game, maybe you want to jump on that. Or, or maybe that's too overwhelming for them, but you know that they like, I don't know, My Little Pony, or they like birds because they're mentally unstable, or they like dinosaurs, or whatever, then go with that theme, those kind of things that they like. So that kind of goes back to, you know, Jason's point. Like, if you enjoy war games, good for you. That doesn't mean that your non-gaming spouse is like, yeah, that, let's let's get out some Warhammer. No, probably not. Um, and, and by letting them kind of decide where they jump in, with either a theme that they super love, like they love cats, like there's a bajillion freaking games with cats that you could probably find one that would be interesting enough to you that they're like, Oh my gosh, look at these cute kitties! Yeah, let's play this game, or whatever it is they love. If they love like macabre stuff, like let's get out the bloody inn, or let's play Bring Out Your Dead, like those are ways that you can get people who are not interested in games by allowing them to kind of move that way. And and that's that's not just for a spouse. Like um I had a coworker who she was like, "Oh, yeah, I'm having some some of my kids over, her adult children and some friends and we're thinking about a board game. You know, what would you recommend?" And I'm thinking, oh, crap, like cuz she didn't play anything. Um, but I had a I had a couple Bob Ross um, Funko Pops on my desk, and she I know she liked Bob Ross. And I said, "Well, you know, there's a there's a Bob Ross board game at Target." She's like, "Really?" I said, "Yeah, it's it's real easy to learn. I can let you borrow it." Um. So she borrowed it and loved it, and then she's like, "Oh, do you have any more games that you like?" And she said, "Well, I was looking up games, and there's this game. I think it's called Viticulture. It's about wine, and we have a wine club." And I'm like, "Okay, well, I mean, that's a little bit harder." But if you guys want to learn, you know, I can let you borrow it or, you know, I could tell you where you can find it if you want to try and learn that. And I could give you some links to some videos or something. And she and her friends learned it and they really enjoyed it. That was way, way, way out of their comfort zone. They were so new to gaming, obviously, but it was a theme they really enjoyed. And so because they were so psyched about the theme, they were willing to go all in on the learning. Um, and, and that's a great way, again, to approach your non-game significant other. If they are super psyched about Shakespeare, pulling out a game about Shakespeare is going to help them, you know, deal with some of the rules and learning new, um, new board, new game techniques or mechanics um, in order to get to play something that they think is really fun. So yes, I, in, in addition to getting something they enjoy, do that by letting them pick the game itself or dictate the theme.
1: Yeah, and if you play Warhammer, your spouse is probably not going to want to play with you because I'm sure you're a peach to play oh, come
0: with. come on. So, uh, sorry, Warhammer Don't play people. Warhammer with them.
1: No, I'm not sorry. I'm not sorry. They don't sorry.
0: listen to us anyway.
1: That's true. They don't. <laughs> All right, so the last one I want to talk about is one that we have some friends, and sometimes this happens, and... <laughs> Just don't don't do this. Let people play their own game. So the last one is, when you're playing, introducing the person to games, and you're playing the game, let them play the game for themselves. Let them take the actions they want to take. Let them go to the places they want to play. go. Let them play the cards they want to play. Who cares if it's not a smart play? Who cares if you wouldn't play like that? It's not about you. It's about them having fun and enjoying the game and learning the game. It doesn't matter if you would play that card. Matter of fact, I could care less if you would play that card. It's not your game. It's their turn. They can play whatever card they want to play. Don't tell them where to go. Don't point to the board and say, you should go here because you'll get 12, 13 points. Don't do that. That's not cool. If you want to say, hey, here's some options, you know, you can do one of these 12 things. You can say that, but don't point to them down a specific path. No one wants to have you play their game for them. That's not fun. Don't do it. So when you're going to play the game, after they learn the game, let them play the game. So that's my last one.
0: Yeah, I mean, that ticks me off real bad. But that's because I've got like control issues and a rebellious streak a mile wide. Um, But I hate to see it happen to other people. Because I can see non gaming people just shut down when their gaming spouse starts to take over their turns and then then again they have no agency they have none of their own investment in the game so if they win that could be a real selling point for them on the game but if you told them what to do they don't feel like they actually won
1: yeah you won the game right
0: (laughs) absolutely Um, and my last one is kind of going back to the outside of the game itself um Sometimes you need to, and I mentioned this before, you need to plan. And some of that planning might involving, involve finding a convenient time for the other person. So maybe you are like, oh, yeah, you know, I just, I finished work. The kids are in bed. I'm so ready to play a board game. Your spouse might not feel the same way. Maybe once the kids are in bed, they're like, oh, my gosh, I just want to sit here with a glass of wine and, and be in silence. Or I want to read a book. Or I, you know, I've got laundry to catch up on, or whatever else work to do still. Um, And just kind of trying to figure out where in their day, or even in their week, is a good time for them to say, okay, I feel ready to learn something new. I feel open. Um, I'm I'm ready to like to challenge myself, which some people need to build up to. And for them, that's the issue with board gaming is like, oh, I need I got to learn something new. Inherently, learning involves vulnerability. And which seems strange when you talk about something like learning a board game. But it means admitting you don't know how to do something. You're relying on someone else to teach it to you. And you have to be often willing to make mistakes and willing to lose. And some people just can't handle that. At any given moment. So, you might need to think about playing ahead what kind of time they would be in the right mind frame to tackle a new, a new game. Uh, this might even be that you start taking care of some of that mental clutter or physical clutter or, you know, um, errands on the to do list or something, just so. They can come to it like, okay, I've got this take off my plate. I've got some extra time. Yeah, let's do something new. Or if you treat me like crap all day, um, I might not be inclined to play a game with you. I might say, suck it. I'm going to sit here and you know play on my phone. Um, so there can be a lot of things just outside of the board game itself that you can do to help encourage your non-gaming spouse to be like, all right. Let's try something new. Let's learn a board game together. Let's spend time together. Um, I'm willing to learn. I'm willing to make mistakes, um, because they know that you're you're going to encourage them. You're not going to belittle them for their mistakes. You're not going to yell "booyah" and throw the cards down when you win. I mean, that's good sportsmanship anyway. So I don't feel like I have to get into that. But um, sometimes it's just finding when is the best time to approach them and say, "Hey." Let's do you want to try this game with me?
1: Yeah. Uh timing is tough. It that's that's a tough one for sure. Oh. Especially when you have, you know, busy lives, work, kids, families, hobbies. It's it's tough. It's definitely tough.
0: Yeah. Um so none of this is is necessarily, you know, like a oh, get yourself together, but I also feel like a lot of people post on Facebook or other comments and just like oh I wish you had a board game spouse like oh they just don't get it I'm like maybe the problem is you um, like and I mean I'm sure that goes back to my philosophy play better um, so it's be better and and maybe they still won't be a gamer um, and maybe it'll only be a casual thing. Uh, But I think the hobby is a great thing to get into at at any level, even if it's just that kind of superficial, we're going to play games with grandma on holidays and the kids, or we're going to have a family game night and, you know, we play Go Fish or Clue or whatever. Um, There's something to be said for getting around a table, something that's not a screen um, and just having interactions with people you care about.
1: Yeah, I agree. I would much rather play board games with someone than like a video game or something because you can do a little bit more chatting and it's it's nice. I don't like to chat really during board games, but it is a possibility.
0: <laughs> uh, the rest of us will chat. Jason will just sit there and absorb the conversation <laughs> while he plans his next move.
1: <laughs> I'll chime in with the, you know occasional sentence or two, but that's about it.
0: So now the question is to you. Do you agree? Do you think these might help? Or do you think, you know... Well, probably me, that I'm totally off my rocker, on my soapbox, just just yelling at everyone. Tell us. Or do you have tips on how to get non-gaming significant others into gaming? How have you done it? Um, post on our Facebook page. Definitely join our Facebook group, Hashtag The Riveted, so we can talk more about these games and these issues in gaming, um, Instagram, Twitter, and of course, on our YouTube channel, Comment on our videos. There's video. We have videos for the podcast as well. It just contains the audio because, again, I don't want to see my face on a screen. Um, but comment there. Like, subscribe. Um, maybe some of the different games that we put on there as reviews or unboxing might um, kind of pique the interest of a non-gaming spouse as well. And they're like, oh, that looks kind of cool. Let's try that.
1: Yep. And uh, just give a shout out to the Board Game Rundown. We've talked about them a little bit on this episode, but... They're good, good guys, and they have a pretty good, a ep- uh, good show, and they let Katie be on, so that's always fun. And I've been on too, so you know, I don't know what that says <laughs> about the channel, but
0: they're they're but really scraping the barrel good- for content. Apparently, <laughs> they're coming to us.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're they're good guys, and they have a, a good channel and talk about games, love games. So yeah, go check them out if you haven't. I'm sure most of you have. If you listen to us, you, we talk about them a lot, so I'm sure you've checked them out. But if you haven't, now's the time.
0: All right. Well, I think that's it. I gotta, I gotta hit the hay. I'm, I'm getting up early to go to Amish country tomorrow.
1: Sounds fun. <laughs>
0: I'm gonna bring back all the homemade cheeses and fry pies and.
1: Yeah, I want some pie. Some of those pies.
0: Oh, I will. All right, everybody. I've been Katie.
1: And I'm Jason. Keep gaming, everybody. Keep gaming.